Welcome to Average Joe Meets the UK's Everyday Entrepreneurs, where we talk to all kinds of business owners across the country about how they got started and what it's really like to run their business, so that we can learn and be inspired to start something of our own. This week we welcome Jude Kempton, whose business is Jude Kempton Coaching, a life coaching business where she helps people in all kinds of situations move forward in their lives and achieve their potential. That might be women stepping into their first leadership role or returning into the workplace after maternity leave, to simply anyone who feels stuck and wants to start living the life they want to lead. And just before we hear her story, we have our first Average Joe promo. Jude's offering a free one-hour coaching session when listeners book a block of six with her and you can head to judekempton.com forward slash average joe or just mention the podcast to her to access the offer. Jude was originally working in a senior leadership position for a publishing company in central London. She found herself juggling a demanding job and the needs of two young children and ultimately experienced burnout and in our discussions she goes into detail about how this actually felt and then how coaching was so fundamental to helping her make change and ultimately the inspiration behind her starting her business. Let's hear her story. Hi Jude, thank you so much for coming to our in-person studio over in Sydenham and making the journey. I'm delighted to get you on actually because I really wanted to get a life coach on the podcast as I think it's a really good business model, number one. Um, You don't need to invest too much in setting it up. You can start it from home, you can start it as a side hustle perhaps. And I also think there's like a growing recognition and demand that there are actually tangible benefits from getting this kind of accountability partner or person in your life to help you achieve more. Um, in fact, like we had a previous, or oh, I had a previous guest called Jason who runs a boutique gym and um, he said his coach was absolutely um, invaluable for getting his business off the ground. But I also know you're going to kindly and um, be very honest about your journey mm. and go through all the hard times as well. So um, I think, you know, those honest accounts is what everyone wants to hear about. Um, so maybe we start with you and your life and your situation before you decided to embark on this journey of becoming a life coach if if that's okay with you yeah that sounds great joe and it's, it's great to be here thank you for asking me um so i my background is not specifically in coaching i spent many years in digital marketing um i worked for a number of different companies but i spent a lot of time um, at one particular publishing company and um so was it quite a big, big organisation, big corporate? Was it? Um, it it wasn't huge. It was corporate in the sense of you know it was uh, a corporate office. It was a corporate model. Um, I was very lucky in that it had a very entrepreneurial culture, which I think has set me up really well for what I'm doing now in many ways. Um, and I stayed for a long time, partly because of that and because I absolutely loved many of the people that I worked there. I met so many amazing people. Um, but it, it, was, um, it was one of those things where I'd been there for a long time. I had both my children whilst I was there. Um, 
And as my life changed, as the company changed, because you know, I've been there for nearly 10 years, inevitably the company changed in that time, um, it just became very, very clear that I couldn't carry on. Um, and I quite quickly reached the point of burning out. Um, I say quite quickly. Um, and just to just yeah. to ask about your children, so uh, who how old are they, and and what's this sort of age gap between them? And <laughs> just because like just because you mentioned it before, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they are five and nearly four. So I've got one at school, one still at nursery, due to start yeah. school in September. Um, so there's an 18 month age gap between them and uh, where you know if we're thinking about the last few years and like everything that's brought me to this point um, having two ch children under two in the pandemic was kind of stressful <laughs> put quite a lot of pressure on me um, and did you take a year maternity and then return yeah I, I did with both my children yes yeah so when I mean, did you know, return to a full-time job no um so I had my first son and took a year off and then went back part-time four days a week um and really really wanted to try and get the balance right between what was quite a demanding role um and being there for him and um you know at the time we still had to work in the office, so I had to commute four days a week. Um, I was actually I was lucky; I was able to work from home one day a week, and that meant that I could work slightly different hours, slightly adjusted hours when I was in the office. So I could be there at bedtime. I could be there in the morning to one, say goodbye one, to him. Um, sort of, I work from from home now, so yeah. Um, one thing I was thinking is these nursery opening hours are sort of either, if you're lucky, you get something like 7.38, but they sh sort of shut quite early, like, well, 5.36. So to be yeah. able to come home and then pick them up is quite tricky, isn't it? It like, is, yeah, it is. And depending on where you live and where you're commuting to, that can be a real challenge. Um, and for me as well, I really didn't want to be picking my son up at six o'clock. I didn't want him to be the last one there. I didn't want to be basically driving him home to put him straight to bed. Um, so, yeah, it was really important to me that if I was leaving the office at 4.30, because that's what's been agreed, that's what I'm going to do. Um, and I made it work. I used to do a lot of work on the train, on the way home, on the way into work. Um, but it, it was really challenging. And then having my second son, I took another year off. Um, and in that time, just so much changed, a lot changed in the business. I went back to a, a completely different senior leadership team, a new role. We were in the middle of the pandemic. So when I went back, um, I had to return to work virtually. And uh, the role that I went back into was building a new department. So I had to um, work with my new uh, senior director to uh, build a team virtually, onboard them, you know, la launch new products. Um, yeah, it was kind of hectic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, I think until you've been in that, cause, you know, it's just just balancing the sleep uh, with on top of everything. It's just until you've been there, you just can't even imagine it, and I can't yeah. even imagine two. I can't imagine two two little two yeah. under twos oh, on top of this 
demanding job. Yeah, yeah. It, it was insane. And um, we were very lucky because my eldest son has always slept really, really well. Um, but my youngest did not. And so there was a time which I really, really vividly remember when, um, you know, my day effectively started at 2.30 in the morning because he woke up, he kept waking. And then because of the role that I was doing, I had to go into back-to-back meetings. And um, that was, you know, again, virtually. So I was on Zoom from you know, nine in the morning till five in the evening. Again, trying to stick to my boundaries, trying to log off as soon as you know, that, that clock ticked. Um, but feeling like I'd got nothing done and feeling like I couldn't really be present for my children because sleep deprivation and I was worrying about what I hadn't got done at work. Um, yeah, so it didn't take long before I felt just really burnt out. Um, I've described it to people as feeling like butter spread too thin on burnt toast. You know, it just, it wasn't good. <laughs> I knew it wasn't sustainable. But at that point, I felt completely trapped. Yeah. Just, did you, you know, need what your, you do. You obviously needed your income as well. Like, yeah. yeah. And because of the position I was in, um, you know, even though it was four days a week, uh, it was good income. Um, at that point, I was the main breadwinner as well. Um, and it was, yeah, it, it took a long time for me to figure out what to do and then a bit longer to get the courage to do it. Um, and in the end, I quit with nothing to go to because it reached a point where I was in tears every day and I was just thinking, this, this isn't right, this isn't good. I'm not doing a good job at work. I'm not doing well by my family. You know, I was the shouty mum and you don't want to be shouting at two little kids. They don't know what they're doing right or wrong. Um, so yeah, at that point, and when you did, it, yeah. when you when you quit, was was there a, a kind of uh, discussion at work about, you know, why and what could what other options were, could there be, and or was it just yeah okay we'll take your resignation? <laughs> oh no, so it's it's funny because I had a great relationship with the lady who was my line manager. Um, and we were very open and honest with each other. Um, and, you know, I think she knew that I needed something. She would have given me three months off work, probably more than that, if I'd needed it, if, I, if I'd wanted oh, okay. it. That's great. Yeah, yeah. I, I think from that point of view, I felt very supported. Um, but the company culture as a whole had changed. I knew that even if I took three months off and had that kind of massive circuit break, I knew that it would be the same if I went back in. Um, I knew there were things that I wanted to change about myself. Um, I've always been a chronic people pleaser. I've always been a perfectionist, found it really hard to say no. So, you know, when you've got that combination of things, it does tend to lead to burnout unless you can start to manage it or unless you're working in an environment that kind of manages it for you. So I knew unless I did the work on myself, whatever happened, it, I'd be going back to yeah. burnout mark two. Yeah. So yeah, so I didn't want to do that. Um, 
but yeah I, I felt like that was my only option at that point because especially with two young kids you don't have time to do the research you don't have time to look for other jobs because that's practically a job in itself um so I, yeah I can understand that totally. yeah yeah so I spent a long time planning put together a massive budget and worked out okay how long can I go without having an income um and just saved as much as I could from that point and and, yeah, and I guess um the other thing was nursery fees I just want to touch yeah. on that because uh yeah if you've got two two on that's what you've got to factor into your budgeting as well haven't yes. you? yeah yeah I guess just pointing that out <laughs> just yeah reminds me. but did you have to do that did you have to say well I could take them out of nursery and save money that way but then I wouldn't be able to focus on finding a new job or how did you sort of yeah. think about that taking them out of nursery never felt like an option because where we live if you lose your place that's it it's oh, gone I see. Yeah. Yeah. so it would have been impossible to take them out and put them back in um so I always factored in carrying on paying the fees um but again the point where we were at my eldest had hit 30 hours funding so his fees were lower we knew that because of the age gap we only had a certain amount of time before he would be at school and then my youngest would hit the 30 hours funding so it was like right okay we can see there's a point where the costs are going to start coming down and it will be a little bit more manageable on that front yeah um but yeah it's it's a hard decision didn't factor in mortgage rates increasing this year that's been a bit of a kick but yeah yeah you might have to get a lodger in like I am oh yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah it's not a bad idea so how did you feel sort of the day after you resigned or yeah. oh my god I went through this massive wave of terror to be honest with you did because you? yeah I think there was a sense of relief um because I knew that something had to change and um, you know, it had taken a long time to get to that point and I knew if I don't change something, we can't continue like this. And did it physically have an impact on, on you? Like yeah. Were there any physical yeah. symptoms of what what's classed as a burnout? So I I mean I I used to get migraines probably once a month and they would last for up to four or five days at a time um and it's taken me a while to figure out that they were tension um related and related to me just sitting at a screen all day without a proper break in the same position um and i think there were other symptoms as well in just in terms of like always being on edge um it wouldn't take much to get you know, a, a sharp reaction from me. And um, I think I can look back now and look at how I was then and how I am now and see the difference and feel the difference. And often I think it's only with hindsight that you can really see these things. Yeah. yeah. So what happened next? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, so I went through this wave of terror. <laughs> like, <laughs> what have I done? I've just quit my stable job. Um, and I I knew that I needed to have a complete break because I needed the headspace and I needed to have this period of recovery um, just to try and get this myself back. 
say I've made a list of these are all the things that I want to do whilst I'm having a break and I'm not even going to think about job hunting until after Christmas. Um, my son was born in December so December is just mental for kind of birthday and Christmas stuff anyway. Um, and it didn't take long I think before I'd even finished work I had a call from a friend of a friend saying um, would you be interested in, in this job role um, and it was at a daily paper um, it was better pay uh, the job itself I knew that I could do without you know team well it was it was a kind of same level of responsibility but scaled back scope of responsibility versus what I've been doing before so I looked at it and I thought I don't want to rush into this um I don't want to jump in with two feet and I'd also told myself I wasn't going to job hunt until the new year um but at the same time this opportunity had come along and on paper I thought well it's more money less stress hopefully um and it took a while and I had to stick to my guns about wanting at least three months break between jobs um, but they were willing to wait for me and I managed to negotiate a four day week um, oh, on nice. a trial basis, yeah. I had to do it on a trial oh, okay. basis yeah. which <laughs> uh, worked in my favour in the end um, and I made the decision to give it a go thinking well this will this is my opportunity to try and fix some of the old work habits that have built up like the perfectionism like the not being able to say no to stuff um, and that will help me figure out if I've fallen out of love with marketing or if you know if this is something that I just can't make work with my family life now um, and so I decided to find a life coach um, so I started the job and had some coaching alongside that and the coach that I saw was a lady called Marisha and she was amazing <laughs> so um, it's, it's one of those things where to say that it transformed my life feels like massive hyperbole <laughs> but it really did transform my life and um, in the sessions that I had with her, she helped me to figure out how to work through some of those work habits. She also helped me to figure out what I wanted to do next and then how to find the courage to do it. So I'd had this idea in the back of my mind about coaching for probably a few years. Um, I had some coaching at work around my maternity leave and had found it really beneficial um, and then having this coaching with Marisha sealed the deal because um, I was like wow this can be so powerful when it's delivered in the right way by the right person and when you're motivated to make the changes yourself it can be it can be transformational yeah, for yeah. people um, and so I was still working this um, kind of senior level job, uh, juggling the demands of working for a daily paper, which you know can be a bit nuts at times. Um, so I knew fairly quickly that it wasn't where I was going to be long term. 
Is that because, again, it was sort of juggling... Were you starting to get those signs of burnout again? Or was it something else? Was it the culture of the company or was it another thing? Yeah, it was a little bit of of everything, I think. Yeah. Because um, I was worried about burning out again. Yeah. So there was a part of me that was just fairly... Militant is not the right word, but, you know, I was like, right, these are my boundaries. I'm Mm -hmm. going to stick to them no matter what. Um, and of course, working for a daily paper, there's going to have to be a little bit of flex there because the news happens 24 hours a day. Um, and there were some fairly major events happening at that time as well. So, you know, it was incredible experience from that point of view. But I also knew yeah, it wasn't going to work for me and my family. Yeah. Um, and again, you know, I, I felt like um, I couldn't. I couldn't give them as much commitment and dedication as they really needed. And, um, yeah, so that that was kind of going on in the background. And then I saw a taste a week for the training that I ended up doing and went along to that in, in the evenings and just completely fell in love with all of the psychology behind coaching and the kind of, principles of neuroscience that underpin it um was desperate to sign up to the course yeah but had to figure out how to make it work financially so I was like right this is going to be a huge leap of faith it's quite a big commitment time-wise um to what to do the training to do the training yeah so it was it was one day a week for nine months oh right okay um give or take a a few breaks here and there and is it a body uh, an official body of yeah yes so um the training company optimus coach academy are accredited by the international coaching federation so they're um kind of the international body for coaching and um they're known as kind of the gold standard for coaching in the industry um so it was really important to me that i had training that was accredited because i want to make sure that quality of service um, comes across for clients. So there are standards that I work to, there's a code of ethics that I ascribe to. Um, And the quality of the training was so rigorous and um, the trainers are all really experienced coaches as well. So that was something that- And can I I ask how how much of that is because I was saying Mm. oh you know you can just set up a life coaching business but it's not as simple as that but the training is your investment isn't it so how broadly speaking how much is it to sort of become a qualified life coach how much you've got to start saving for oh honestly I mean it's that's a real kind of how long is a piece of string right okay because it's not a regulated industry yeah so you don't need to train you don't need to train that was something that I chose to do because I wanted to provide that quality mm-hmm. and be able to talk to customers and say, this is the, <clears throat> the kind of stamp of quality that you can get from me. Um, and so I chose a kind of deeper level, higher level diploma. Um, and that, I think it was around £6,000 to do that. So not cheap, yeah, definitely yeah. not one of the cheapest. No, 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 yeah. Time so you had to wise. factor that in. Yeah. <laughs> and that was the one day a week for nine months to yeah. do that. Yeah, so, so you... four, four hours once a week, yeah. And were you working at the time or was this when you sort of decided 
well, what did you do? Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Mm. so again, I was quite lucky um, in that, <coughs> uh, well, I had a, a, a long conversation with my husband. So I was like, I've got the option to do this course. I really want to do it, but it's going to be a bit of a leap of faith. And I think I can make the numbers work. Um, and it's also going to require you to have the kids once a week because initially I had to do the training on Saturdays. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. So that was how we made it work. So for half a day on a Saturday, he would spirit the children away so I could study. Um, and then... Is this still with your day job? You've got your day job as well. Still got the okay. day job as right. well. Yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, that... When I look back at that point it was intense but we knew it wasn't going to be forever um, and because I'd been taken on for four days a week on a trial basis as it approached the end of the trial was um, that like a six month trial six yeah. month trial okay. yeah so as I've had the conversation with my line manager at the time say I'm not intending to stay longer term I've decided to retrain and change career um, and I want to support you with the transition so again you know I think I'd established myself well in that role um he was fantastically supportive and putting it bluntly they needed somebody there to fill the gap so I was able to do two days a week for a period of time as well that's great so yeah I, think that's I did great. three months of two days a week um and that meant I could switch my training day. So I was able to do kind of half a week on the day job, half a week studying and, and just starting to think about how to build the business, um, which came with its own challenges, to be honest, because then you're splitting your head three ways because, of course, you've got mum brain as well. So there's mum brain, business brain and work brain. And oh, yeah. yeah. That was and that wife brain, and wife brain, yeah. <laughs> Not yeah. one of our other, other and then bits. somewhere in there, there's you, but who knows where that is, you know? Yeah. So yeah, it was. And, it was and that. so then, so that's the three months. Um, um, besides the training, what were you mm. thinking about? Because I mean, I, I, what's always interesting is how do you get your first client? How do you get yeah. your second one? How did you get your uh, yeah and all that part? And did you set up a limited company? Did you just sort of start? A, you know, a very informal thing to begin with, or yeah, so it's really, things? really informal. Um, and actually, this is where it has been super easy to to get started from a technical point of view, um, because there's just you, know, you don't even really need to buy licenses for things like Zoom. But I did buy a license for Zoom, um, and like a booking system called Calendly um, and that was kind of my first investment that and insurance because you need public life not public liability um, whatever the insurance is called you need the business insurance to to cover anything that might come back from if they, coaching if, if you, someone who might you know, yeah <laughs> you tell them to go and quit their job and they well they decide for themselves <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. um so yeah, in terms of like those kind of costs, it's really minimal to get going. Um, and the, the training company that I went through are amazing at 
kind of connecting people with potential clients. Um, and when you're starting out, you know, you coach people for free a right. lot, a lot yeah. of the time. So um, we did a huge amount of coaching each other on the course, kind of as trainee coaches. Um, and then we would support um, other people who had kind of approached the training company and said, yeah, I'd like to be coached by one of your students for free. Um, and then I just went back out through my network and uh, I sent an email to a selected group of trusted people and said, hi, you know that I'm starting up as a life coach and I'd really appreciate your support and these are the ways that you can help. Please recommend me to absolutely everybody um, and sent them some blurb that they could use to then send on to friends or to their network if they wanted to. Um, and I just started doing kind of, to be honest, super cheap offers to get the experience, but also to get used to charging people money. Yeah. That's yeah. been a massive kind of mindset um, shift for me coming from a role in marketing where you're promoting someone else's product or service and um, not directly asking people for money. You're just trying to persuade people to click a button at the end of the day. Um, and now I'm face to face with somebody on a call saying, this is how much it costs and this is how much it will be. It's an investment in yourself. How would you like to pay? Kind of <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and that that's something that I'm still working on, to be honest with you, because it's still something that I find uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, so I started off by asking people for kind of £25 for an hour's coaching, um, or I'd do four sessions for £100. And um, once I'd started to get a few of those under my belt, um, I just started stepping up how much I was asking people for on the call, and you know obviously not everyone is going to say yes and um because you do have to do a bit of a sale i mean i, I was yeah. thinking about this with any kind of one-to-one -one, whether it's a personal trainer or a, a therapist or any it is like a, a matching process isn't it mm. not everybody's so it's, it, it's, it really it's kind is. of a, a dating process there where, yeah <laughs> so you yeah. do get i'm sure you get you have to reject some people and and you get some rejections yeah. as well which is quite definitely tough, yeah. tough and resilient you'd have to be around that yeah and actually that's a really good point because one of the things that I realized as I was going through my training was I have to do a lot of work on myself to make this successful and um so you know so I, I said we coached each other as, as trainees and I've still got coaching partners that I see on a regular basis so that I can continue to work on, on these things. Um, and resilience was one of the things that I knew that I wanted to work on and I knew that I would have to build up my resilience um, because of exactly what you said. You know, you're not going to get every client that, that contacts you um, and your marketing is not always going to work and you might go for a long period of time without having any inquiries so you have to keep the faith you have to remember why you're doing this and keep going um, and keep going back to what is it that you're trying to achieve what do you want to get 
out of this? What is the life that you're trying to build for yourself? Um, and just, yeah, keep forging that path. Yeah. And so was there um, a sort of first client win that you thought, well, I've got this. It's actually someone giving me some money. For oh, yeah. A, yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think um, the first time I had somebody who I'd never met before, because some of the people that I've coached are kind of ex-colleagues who there's enough distance between us that um, we feel comfortable in that coaching relationship, but we're not going to be compromised. Is you know, There's certain people that I would never coach because we're such good friends and yeah. you can't coach your friends. You just you can't do it. Um, so, yeah, there's sort of a group of people who have helped me get started from that point of view. And then um, they started referring me to their network. And so the first time I had somebody who I'd never met before say, yes, I'd like to give you some money for your coaching. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. (laughs) Wow. Um, And then the first time I asked somebody to pay my full price and they said yes. I was like, oh, okay. And the the nicest thing was um, when I left my old job, um, we parted on such good terms and my old boss in my leaving speech gave me a bottle of champagne and said this is for when you um, get your first fully paid clients <clears throat> and so I'd had that sat on the side of my desk for months <laughs> <laughs> waiting for it and yeah so to be able to like stick that in the fridge get that chilled and get that open was just oh that's nice that is a nice little yeah. anecdote story and yeah. the, and so how long have you been running the business for what, what's the sort of time scales is it a year or so or more than yeah that? so I've been coaching formally for a year um I actually only went full-time from October only qualified in February so yeah so it's been was it four months or so since I qualified so it's not long um and I started actively looking for paying clients kind of from October onwards yeah yeah um but I think you know you have to you have to do the work on yourself like if so if, if you're going to go down the road of just setting up as a coach and not worrying about training then um you know I think it's a lot to do with your confidence and how you project yourself um confidence is something that I've had to work on as well that's always been an issue for me um and it's helped me to kind of have that diploma behind me and to be able to talk about myself as certified by an international body um, I got my first accreditation last week, so now I can talk about myself as being credentialed by that international body. So again, you know, probably doesn't mean much to people outside coaching circles, but um, it it just gives me that confidence in myself and that sense of right. Actually, I have got that experience. I have got a level of expertise that I can now go out and talk about. And um, the types of, who's your sort of target market of, of who you're looking to coach and who you are coaching at the moment? Yeah, so um, typically I coach women in leadership roles. So um, they might be already established in their role, but um, struggling to juggle 
what are often very demanding jobs alongside a demanding home life. Um, it might be someone who's stepping into their first leadership role and needs some support with that transition, or they might be coming back from maternity leave and... Um, very very hard time yeah yeah Yeah. and that transition to being a working parent and having to deal with all the changes that have happened in the workplace I think can be really challenging and you've done it I've done it it. yeah Yeah, and it was you who who decided to leave them yeah (laughs) the other way around yeah Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah so I typically work kind of on that basis but um I would find myself supporting anyone who is feeling stuck in their life and wanting some help with moving forward. Um, I've actually also got an associate role with a company called Genius Within. Um, and they're an amazing organisation and they work with neurodivergent people who um, need some support in the workplace. So I coach oh, wow. people with ADHD and dyslexia and support them to be at their best in the workplace as well. well so I work with quite a wide range of people. Yeah. So you've been you're you're getting more and more established now as as a, you, with your business. Mm. Can you look back at and, and are you starting to get that work life balance that you were seeking? How how is it now? Yeah, it's like night and day really. Um, there are challenges, and I've taken this to coaching myself so many times now because I am champing at the bit to do so many different things. Um, I've got lots of ideas of, of what I want to do and um, you know, oh, sorry and I just wanted to ask yeah. how did you get that genius uh, relationship that's, that's actually really good that's really good was that your business development so um, they work on a model where they have lots of associate coaches okay. anyway yeah and that's kind of how they fulfill their their business contracts um, and there is huge, huge demand at the moment for for that kind of coaching support in organisations. But yeah, they they have been growing their kind of base of associate coaches and we're just recruiting and advertising. So yeah, that was something that I saw and, and went for. And that's the kind of mindset that I've tried to adopt um, is to be open to opportunities and not to shut off to things. Um, because I think it would be very easy to have looked at something like that. It was advertised around the time that I was qualifying from my training. Um, it would have been very easy to look at it and say, oh, I've only just qualified, I haven't got enough experience for this. I was like, no, no, I'm going to go for it and see where it takes me and see what I can get from it as well. Um, and I'm really glad that I did because it's incredibly rewarding um, and it's enriching my experience as a coach as well. Um, and is it? Yeah. Is it tricky to coach someone um say perhaps with ADHD or dyslexia in the workplace when you don't have that is 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 it or or coaching people where you like I can understand when you've done been there done that in terms of like coming Mm. back from maternity I know how hard that is but yeah just I think it's applying life coaching to someone that's completely different to you I suppose that's what life coaching is all about yeah (laughs) actually in many ways it can be easier to coach somebody if you don't have right. that experience yeah. because um, because so much of it is about coaching the individual. And yes, I've got experience of going back to work after maternity leave, but that's very much my experience. That will be completely different to yours or to the next person's. Yeah. And 
if you can try and separate your own experiences from the person you're working with, it helps you to um, better support them and helps them to get more out of their own kind of thinking process as well. So, yeah, so we always coach the individual. In... Oh, yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a really good cool... And that kind of comes back to supporting people with ADHD and dyslexia as well. You know, they are having their own individual experience of, of whatever is going on for them. Um, and, yeah, there is stuff that I can recommend um, that they can try, but it may or may not resonate with them depending on, on how their brain works and how um, where they are in their own kind of thought and reflection and development process as well. No, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So you, you were saying about you were going to your life coach or that about the challenges around now where you are, which is you've got a few clients, you've got this potential, uh, you've got this um, relationship with yeah. um, that organisation, mm. but you, yeah, you're wanting to grow and do all different things. Yeah. And... yeah. So I'd love to have a group coaching programme. I'd love to oh, be doing more kind yeah. of workshops and, and masterclasses for organisations as well. Um, I want to do more of the kind of one-to-one coaching and you know there's lots of different ways that I could be trying to market myself which I just you know I'm very very time poor still so (laughs) um, you know I'm trying to do this around school hours a lot of the time and pick up and drop off Um, and everyone knows with the school day as soon as you sat down to start work it's time to go and pick them up again so you know that time just disappears yeah um so from that point of view it is still really challenging because it will take me longer to get established because I'm not doing this you know full throttle all the hours of the day um but that is very very deliberate on my part and part of that is because I know if I focus on my own well-being and keep those boundaries I will deliver a better service to clients anyway they'll get a better experience um, if they get a better experience, hopefully that will help to grow the business in itself. Um, and also, I want to create a business that fits around my life, not fitting my life around the business. So it's always been really important to me that, especially whilst the kids are small, I'm there for them when I can be. And I don't always get that right. I don't always manage that juggle as well as I would like to. Um, and there's a lot of the time when I still feel torn in a million different directions, but it's in my control. Yeah. And that's, that's the huge difference. I'm not worrying about, you know, have I written that presentation that needed to be done for tomorrow or, you know, not looking at my diary and thinking, oh God, I'm in so many meetings. When am I going to be able to do this? Cause it's, it's in my control. It's my destiny. And that makes a massive difference. Um, just and again I'm speaking from my experience but has the compromise been on the finances because you haven't Mm. been getting that steady income yeah has that been the compromise but it's again it's short term you can see the costs of nursery coming down and it's you've just factored it all in and do you have to make certain sacrifices like holidays and things like that or yeah I just wondered wondered. It, it has been again that's another kind of mindset shift that I've had to adopt because 
Um, I don't think I really realised how comfortable I was with my salary until it was gone. Yeah, same uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of, yeah, it's a bit... Um, but for some reason it's quite positive. I don't know why. For me it's quite positive because you're valuing yeah. every pound a lot more. Yes. You know, there are the moments where you're like, oh, I really want to do this and I can't, but... <laughs> yeah, and, you know, I think sometimes I think, oh, God, it's probably better for the kids as well because um, we would have gone to the park, say, and I would have just thought nothing of, oh, let's just go to the cafe for lunch. And now I'll take a picnic and we make the picnic together and that's what we do. Um, So, yeah, there are compromises. I've changed our shopping habits. I've changed where we shop. Um, I think a lot more carefully about what we're spending. I drive my husband insane, I think, with it. So... um, I think he'll be very happy when I get to a point where I'm earning a bit more. Um, yeah, because, you know, being brutally honest, I'm living off my savings at the moment. And that's how um, that's how I'm supporting myself through this right now. Um, my income is starting to build up, but I don't know how long it's going to take to get to a point where it's viable. I might have to find a part-time job to supplement this um, at some point. But um, in terms of life coaching, and it's like any sort of pay hourly paid thing, although the group yeah. sessions, in terms of a business model, mm. is there like a critical number where you go, yeah, I can sustain this as a full-time job? Have you sort of done the numbers and gone, actually, I could earn a decent living at the end of this? Yeah. There is, yeah. Yeah, and I think part of that is there's this kind of conflict of you need to have the experience to be able to charge more say I'm trying to build experience at the moment and um I think where where you see a lot of kind of high ticket coaches they might have had um you know a number of years in a c-suite role say and they've decided to move into coaching um, and that will command a higher fee because they've got the C-suite ticket next to them. Um, so, yeah, I think maybe part of it is confidence in how how much kind of bravado you go out with, and if you've got the kahunas to go out and charge high prices, then good on you. Um, but I've always wanted to be a bit more honest with the client base and... With the kind of market that I'm targeting as well, I think um, there is a level of price sensitivity at the moment, um, especially cost of living crisis, that doesn't help things. So I feel like I want to charge a fair price for for my level of expertise, factoring in the kind of years and marketing leadership that I have as well. Um, so I've tried to set my prices around that level and then think about how many clients do I need to get to make that sustainable? And I know that at the prices that I've got now, I need something like a group coaching programme to then make it more viable, to make it sustainable. I probably need maybe another associate role to help get the kind of volume in that I need to get to make more of a sustainable income from this. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, and I, I, the other thing is about the rewards of the actual role. I mean, comparing mm. it to maybe your previous careers, 
this is a really human-based service, isn't it? And I, yeah. some of the other podcast interviews I've had, it's that human interaction, like personal trainer, the, the yeah. private dining um, experience where the chef is going into your home and sharing your life. I mean, this is sharing other people's lives. Yeah. And it's also not like a therapist-type role where you're looking back no. at things. It's a more of a positive, if that's okay to say, it's more of a positive, oh, yeah. forward-looking you know you are you say you're helping people change their lives do you find yeah. that part of it really nice or you know? oh gosh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely yeah and that's that's actually a really nice way of looking at it um it it can be challenging for people it can get raw sometimes mm-hmm. depending on what it is that we're working on um but that kind of difference with therapy is is really um I always say to clients if you can't move past something take it to therapy mm-hmm. if we're working on something in coaching then we're thinking about how do you move forwards and it's it is always about how do you keep that forward momentum and grow and evolve and um that's what I love about coaching somebody over a period of time because you might meet them at the start and they're stressed, they don't know what to do, they feel completely stuck with where they are, and then you get to session three or four and you see the change in them. You see it when they show up and it is so rewarding and so fulfilling. And just to be part of that process and to walk alongside someone as they're making that transition, yeah, it's a privilege, it really is. So I uh, generally end up with, so was it all worth it? How do you, what, what do you reckon? <laughs> oh, let's meet up in a year's time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's do a, a Jude Kempton part two. Yeah. That sounds a good idea. We'll do that. It's definitely worth it. Don't, like for me, I think regardless of what happens, um, I will keep coaching. And, um, you know, I said I might have to find a job to go alongside this at some point. Um, but because of the flexibility involved, I would be able to keep coaching alongside, which, you know, you talked at the start about it being a potential side hustle for people. There are so many people I know who, um, coach alongside their job and that's how they're building their business. Um, so yeah, it it is something that I will never look back from. Yeah.